This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello everybody and welcome to this weekend's edition of the Blood Red podcast where I think it is now official we can say that it is this season now the fixtures have been released so that makes the Reds last season's reigning European champions so all our medals will be thrown away and uh, it's all about this season now see what we can do uh, with myself Sean Bradbury I have on my left Paul Gorse Gorse how are we doing? I'm very well Sean yeah how are you? Good, good. Yeah, just um, set for your two weeks off. Set for me two weeks off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is my, this is my. Uh, you're off to London as well. Please. I am, yeah, but not for two weeks. So Sean's, Sean's <laughs> the got the weekend, be, two days. Yeah. I'm staying in the country. He's jetting out to sunnier climates. So warm weather training Jealous. camp for me. <laughs> uh, we also have with us Kiva O'Neill, Kiva Alstricks. Yeah, good. I'm not going anywhere though. <laughs> well, you've been to Madrid. You, yeah, you know, still down. Did I go one. there? <laughs> Um, right, let's get to it then. Yeah, so as we said already, the fixtures they were released this week, um, and the Reds have been given a curtain raiser of Norwich on a Friday night. Um, so yeah, the European champions get their season and indeed the whole season up and running under the lights at Anfield. Um, happy with that one, Gorsty? Do you think that the club will be happy with that as a start? Yeah, no better place to kick off the Premier League season at Anfield on a Friday night. Um, chance for the pubs to get packed out, isn't it, uh, before the game? Perfect start, really. Newly promoted team, Anfield at home, Friday night. The atmosphere is going to be bouncing, the fans are going to be singing LA, LA, LA. And we are the champions, champions of Europe, which hasn't been sung for nearly 15 years. So we'll hear that one, won't we, on the cop on the August the 9th. So pretty much, all in all, a perfect start for the Reds. Um, Norwich, Norwich will be a good side, don't they? They'll obviously invest and improve on the, on the squad to walk the, the championship last season. So yeah, it's um, decent opponents, but Liverpool will have no no worries with really going into that. And um, as far as it goes, I think it's an, an ideal start. Yeah, keep a bit of pressure maybe in the director's box. They have got to put on a decent spread for Delia, who will be there. Definitely. <laughs> how, how are you feeling about this one? Is it is it what they would have hoped for when the uh, the fixtures came out? Just looking forward to meeting Delia. Hopefully, <laughs> yeah. Get her to sign me boots. She, she's she's still there with Norwich. Yeah? I think she's still the old. Yeah, yeah, she's still going. Yeah, yeah. Still there, uh, getting on the pitch and saying get behind them. Let's be having you. That's what we have, yeah. Oh, 15 uh, years ago, that. Bad, isn't it? It's bonkers. Life. <laughs> anyway, that's another podcast. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I love a Friday night game. Like the Huddersfield one I went to yeah. was just brilliant. It was just like, because you get that midweek, you know, that Champions League feeling. But yeah. it's like the Premier League and it's a Friday, the weekend start. And I don't, yeah. A few, a few you, more pints in the pubs. Yeah, pre-game. I just think you need more Friday night get like Monday night football's alright but I'd definitely trade it in for Friday night because mm. Monday's oh, yeah. the end of the weekend and you know it's something to look forward to when you've got the Monday blues and it's like oh the Reds are playing tonight but Friday night like we beat Huddersfield 5-0 we'll hopefully go into that get an early goal and Norwich will just think we've got a long season ahead of us should we just let them <laughs> let the European <laughs> champions yeah. have a little uh, run out here so yeah um, do you think though come back to you on this one Gorsley, Like, obviously you know, we've already mentioned they're a newly promoted team there is this thing isn't there of, of wanting to avoid them early on I know this is a, this is a home tie for Liverpool and you know the, the Anfield record in last year and in recent seasons has been you know, pretty much flawless almost but is, is there a little bit of a danger though they'll come and they'll really be having a go and could take take uh, Liverpool by surprise a bit yeah from, from their perspective they'll be licking the lips won't they they'll think this is exactly what we fought for for is it 46 games in the Championship last season you know dreams of going to Anfield and Old Trafford and, and the Emirates and, and wherever else so they'll be they'll be well up for it and given it, the fact that it is a Friday night just gives it another bit of spice doesn't it um, so yeah I, I can see where you come from there but I think Liverpool will have, will have too much quality you would think for Norwich if they're professional about it 
But yeah, that's um, it's an interesting way of thinking of it because I think Norwich will be just as fired up as Liverpool, won't they? Mm. Don't think it's a good thing for their fans actually that it's a Friday night oh, game. Oh, it's horrendous. That might the fans, be yeah. really horrible yeah. for us. It's fine, you know. And feels not too far away, but for them, it's, what? How many hours is that? It's a good six, four or five, five, isn't it? Yeah. Right, yeah. right, four right five. Country. Easily. Yeah. So that's you know not, but I mean they'll be so happy. They're back in the Premier League, so they'll they'll fly up and down, won't they? Yeah. Back to where East Anglia. You were uh, following the reaction when the fixtures came out, Kiva, and there was a bit of a uh, talk of uh, old Luis Suarez when this one came out on social media. Yeah, there was quite a strong. You just type in Suarez and Norwich, and it was just like everyone like just get him back for one game because <laughs> obviously he scored twelve goals in five games, three consecutive like back to back hat tricks, which is just relentless, and some of them goals. I think one of the hat tricks it was like pick them up you couldn't choose between obviously the one where like John Ruddy must just still be like what like well, I'd love to get them two in a room and just be like John Ruddy would just collapse <laughs> wouldn't well, he yeah, like, oh, no. didn't he Ruddy when, when the Barcelona bought Suarez in 2014 I think he just sent a tweet to Barca saying thank you thank because you. Yeah, he was just shit up the ball out of the net <laughs> yeah but the, I think that sort of sums up Suarez's time as a Liverpool player best and hat-tricks and performances were just world-class like magnificent like on the day every year they'll be getting tweeted out and yeah. you know yeah. the video being shared because they wear that you know as hat-tricks go they're right up there yeah that that last time that he played against Norwich really scored for Hanfield I think it was like a Wednesday night that was just one of the best individual performances you, you'll ever see at Hanfield it was just mm. unbelievable to the, the four goals he scored, they were all completely different. One was a free kick, one was one where he flicked it over Leroy Fair's head and then pinged it in. Another oh. one was just outside of the boot from about 40 yards. Just un- unbelievable. I think it was after, was it after the flick one where he just had that smile on yeah, his face? Like, yeah, himself. I yeah. am amazing. Like, surely <laughs> this isn't real. Pinch yeah. me someone. <laughs> Well, you know, the, the last few uh, opening games of the season, the goals have flowed. So, you know, I'll be stunned if someone doesn't step up and uh, get a couple on that one. So we'll, we'll look forward to that. Um, another thing about the fixtures, this was a bit of a talking point last year. Now, Liverpool won't obviously find out their Champions League group stage opponents until the draw in August. But we do already know when the match days are. Um, and I think it was Mourinho had a bit of a moan last year because Liverpool had a, a slew of home games after in home games in the league after the the group stage games. And I think this time around they've got they've got five again. Um, just do you think that's an advantage, Gorsi? Like if you look at it, you know potential kind of title race. I've, I've always been a, a bit on the fence about this because you know if you're home if you're home after a Champions League game, invariably it's going to mean you're you're away before it. So you know mm. does it, is it kind of swings and roundabouts or do you see that as an advantage for the Reds? It, it probably is an advantage when you think Liverpool play a hard for midweek game in for instance Turkey, let's say on a Wednesday. If the legs are a little bit weary and, and the you know the players aren't quite a hundred percent, if they're at home, then Anfield have got a the Anfield supporters have got a big part to play, haven't they, and help them raise raise the levels back up again. So I think that will help the players if it's needed. You know, particularly the, the campaign Liverpool had last season. We were all talking about the winning the six European Cup two weeks ago, but they lost all of their away games, didn't they, in, mm. in the Champions League? So True. if they go on a, a similar disappointing run in next season's group stage. But are following her up with a home game at Anfield, then the supporters have got a big part to play. Mm. And one of those games, Kiva, in October again, is City at home. You know, that comes immediately after a European tie. Again, similar similar times to when it was played last season. How significant a game do you think that looks? You know, looking looking at the fixture list already, that that's one that catches the eye in in, in the early months. 
you know, both games last City, Guardiola's side took took four points. Arguably, that made could have made all the difference in the title race. Yeah, you're already thinking that could be a real big one. Yeah, that's the one, isn't it? You look for yesterday. As soon as it come out, it was like, when do we play City? Because we know we're going to be in another title race. Our team's too good not to be. And obviously their team's brilliant as well. So we will be locked in another intense title race and our hearts will be, you know, beating again. <laughs> uh, very, very much so. But I just, I think them two games are going to be just impossibly, you, you've just got to win it. Like, yeah. you know, they're the games. We know that the obviously... Riyad Mahrez's penalty, which is still floating somewhere above Anfield. <laughs> that was like so lucky for us to take away the point from that game. But looking back, if you know, if we would have lost that, it would have maybe kicked us on in a, in a different way than how the season pans out. But obviously losing when we did, when we had, I think it was to go 10 points and yeah. then it come down to four. And that was almost when the season... It was like City just took something from us more than points. Mm. They just took our momentum. Yeah. And we were having a bit of a... Well, we had a bit of a difficult time then after that, didn't we? We would, we would play Leicester and West Ham and mm. those were draws. Yeah. And, you know, we dropped points then. So, you know, these are the games that define the season because they defined last season. But importantly, I think the October game is obviously important. But at home, we should win. We should look to win. Obviously, we'll, we'll try our best. But the, I think it's April 4th. Now I'm happy with that because it's not January. So we'll have, yeah. we'll have, you know, if it is, I think that's, there'll be seven games to go then. So that'll be the start mm. of the running. And that'll be like, you know, a real big decider almost. It could be where the decider came really early in the season, didn't it? It came just after, after the halfway stage. So, you know, I feel like it'll be good to build up to that and, you know, City went, I think, 14 games unbeaten. Mm. We're waiting for someone else to take points off them. It's up to us to take points off them. So that'll be a good yeah. opportunity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what we also know, Ghost, the, uh, announced yesterday by the club is that they made the decision to cancel the friendly that was uh, set for Anfield against Schalke ahead of the start of the season. What's what's your take on that? I think it's it's the right move. It is. It's, it's disappointing for the fans who maybe necessarily don't get to go to as many games as they'd like or, or any at all. I know last season when they played Torino, it was attended by over 40,000, which for a pre-season friendly is remarkable. And there's always a, a little bit more of a family atmosphere to, to these kind of friendlies. So supporters who don't get to go to that are going to be disappointed, understandably. But it's a wise move from the club because the game's three days before the, the Norwich curtain raiser and any slight injuries or tweaks would prove problematic to a season where Liverpool are again expected to challenge Manchester City. So... It's um, it's a wise decision, and it's uh, it's unfortunate that there'll be no Anfield friendly. But in the grand scheme of things, it's uh, the right move, mm. particularly at a time when Liverpool have already got so many friendlies. Anyway, they've got seven. Well, they would have had ten games in total, including the Community Shield and the Super Cup. But now they've got nine and seven friendlies with, with those two um, exhibition finals, if you like to call them. Yeah. Um, I think that that's more than enough for a pre-season schedule. Mm. Staying with that, Kivet. You know, we were talking about last season there and, and how significant it was that Liverpool got off to that flying start. You know, whatever it was, was it you know six six in a row? Was it in the league or at least five and up to that Chelsea draw? This season, there's, there, there is an abundance of games, as Gorsi just said. And how seriously do you think 
the, the Cups will be taken. You've got the Charity Shield on the 4th, Sunday the 4th, Norwich on the Friday night on the 9th, then the 14th, midweek again, you've got the Super Cup in Turkey against Chelsea, rolling, out, rolling that on to Saturday, you've got the second league game uh, at Southampton. It just seems it seems like a lot, given given the demands that you know the season's going to throw up, albeit you know, the, the Charity Shield is against City, who, who, who are undergoing the same kind of pressures. But um, do, you think, do you think they'll throw everything at those games or we'll see kind of, you know, rotated teams? I think... The charity shield, he's more so likely to play a rotated and younger players maybe because, you know, it's not... I'd say the Super Cup for me is more prestigious. You, mm. you want to win the Super Cup and remember to be, you know, European champions yeah. and Super Cup champions. You know, the charity shield, you, you count it, of course, but it doesn't feel like, you know, like Sissy were trying to sort of uh, thingy the formidables and it was like yeah. you won the travel yeah, like you know we're not really it's yeah. a little summer thing that just sort of like you know opens the season doesn't it um, so it wouldn't be too concerned if we did you know it'd be a nice day out at Wembley and it'd be a nice to beat Man City and start the season in the right sort of frame of mind you know get a nice nice win over them but it's, I wouldn't be too concerned I think no. Klopp might just be tempted to get minutes in legs that you know need it Mm. with players coming back and stuff like that. But the Super Cup, I would like to see a more strong sort of Champions League type, yeah. type, type squad. It'd be nice for the Super Cup if they all just agreed to play it at Wembley or something. Wouldn't they? <laughs> no, two teams yeah. from England flight on a four-hour flight to Turkey midweek. I know, because mm. I was thinking when you mentioned about, like, you know, the midweek games and then coming back. And when you go on holiday yourself, you're always tired when you come back. Even if you've had like a week in the sun, just literally not moving, you will be tired. And I know these players are on the best diets and have the best regimes, but it's just like Istanbul is probably not what we need right now. Plenty I mean. room on them jets though. Big enough to stretch <laughs> your feet out with the European Cup as your footrest. It's very true, yeah. very true. Um, staying with that, this kind of pre-season then, Gorsley, there's, there's a lot of guys, you know, all, all the lads who are at the Africa Cup of Nations and I suppose even the, the, the Brazilian contingent at the, at the Copa America, they'll, they'll all be coming back and they'll have missed, you know, weeks of training and, and what's going on at Melwood. What's, what's the plan for kind of dealing with them and bringing them back and embedding them back in the squad? Yeah, so there's no actual blanket plan for, for dates. It's all the uh, clubs basically... Keen that many of his players have had an, effectively an 11 month season with last last summer's World Cup. So, um, we're coming out of the club is that it's going to be on specially tailored programs. And it's not going to be, um, it's all going to be very individual based. So, it's not like, say, for instance, Trent Alexander Arnold and Jordan Henderson and Joe Gomez come back from England at the same time. But they might be on different programs because Trent Alexander Arnold's only 20 and he's pretty much played the entire season mm. Joe Gomez had a bit of time off with, with injury and obviously Henderson's a bit more experienced and, and kind of used to, to such a grueling schedule so they'll all be placed on different programmes and it'll all be very much specifically catered to each player so it's going to be interesting to see when these players come back to, to pre-season training when, when they link up with the team whether it's in the United States or whether it's um, even after that um, but yeah, that, that's basically the, the plan at the moment for, for the whole squad. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Right, well, moving on from fixtures then. Uh, there's plenty to look forward to there, but I think we've, we've boxed that. Transfer-wise, um, all the kind of noises coming out of the club and the, the, the information we've had seems to suggest there's not going to be marquee signings this summer for Liverpool it'll be about improving the squad replacing those who've who've left and, and, and leave a hole in the in the first team squad Sturridge and Moreno to, to name two in particular but then 
reports over the last kind of 48 hours or so, Gorsty, are centering around Dejan Lovren um, and possible question marks over his future. What's your understanding of, uh, of things there? Uh the latest on what day on Friday, so Wednesday I think it was. Um, AC Milan were, were yet to make contact, but they're um, they've got an incoming sporting director, Frederic uh, Massara, known to his mates as Ricky. Um, apparently, <laughs> Ricky he's, he's very keen on Lovren. Um, he tried to bring him to Roma, apparently, um, and he, it, it, it could be that he's looking to, to bring him to Milan as well. But the feeling in the, uh, around the club is around about 25 million. They're not looking to, to offload Lovren. He's very much part of the of the plans for next season and it'd take 25 million plus for Liverpool to even think about selling him, which I think is probably a wise decision in terms of the way the, the, the market is at the moment. He's going to be 30 mm. by the time the new season starts. Um, so much experience as a Liverpool player the last That's five years. That's still quite young as well, isn't it? Yeah, he's mm. still got plenty of years ahead of him. Um, in Italy, they, they don't really concern themselves with age too much do they if a player do they feel can play here and now that they'll pay the money for it even if he's only going to be for a couple of years so um, still a Liverpool player at this point um, no official move from Milan as of Wednesday but Liverpool um, would be looking for an offer in excess of 25 to even basically enter into the negotiations mm. Where would you stand on that one Kivitz? 25 million I mean Lovren He's an interesting character, isn't he? And from, from the heights of a, a Champions League final and a, and a World Cup final, arguably, especially after the second half of the season that Joel Matip had and Joe Gomez coming back from injury, clearly Virgil van Dijk is, is kind of imperious and one of the first names on the team sheet. Does Lovren now find himself f- fourth choice at Liverpool? I think he does, yeah. But it's a, nice to have such a seasoned veteran as fourth choice. Mm-hmm. And if you lose that, you need to bring someone in who's maybe younger and ex- less experienced to build for the future and then they become sort of an inexperienced fourth choice where we've got someone here. You know, the club might say if there's 25 million and, he, you know, he will be 30 soon, we'll, we'll, we'll cash in on him. But you're cashing in on something you might not be able to find in another player. Um, and as we saw last season, it become a bit of a conundrum, didn't it? Because... Gomez and Lovren were unfit and then Matt obviously stepped up and done, you know, we could talk endlessly about what he'd done, phenomenal job and, you know, there's an argument for him to be first choice at the start of next season as well Mm -hmm. because he'd done that good of a job and, you know, you want to see that continue. Obviously, Gomez will try his best to get in there as well. I don't see much in the way of a future for Lovren being like the main man alongside Van Dijk, but at the same time... Look at the way them injuries just took out two centre-backs and then we were left with, obviously, only Matip to step up, and he did. So, unless we were, you know, looking to bring someone in and the club might be, you know, looking into that and then they want to get Lovren off the wage bill type of thing. Mm. But it, it would be a big blow if we didn't recruit then after that because, you know, you... Who's the next in line after Lovren? Kiana Hoover, isn't it? She's only 17. 17 so. I think that the, the issue Liverpool have got is um, for, for, if they keep Lovren, his, his injury record is, is sketchy, isn't it? This sure. is his fifth season at Liverpool. And it's he's a lot made... of stomach stuff and things like yeah. that. It's not always like a, you know, like he's out with his ankle. Or it, yeah. it just seems to be like loads of various issues. And... Mm-hmm. It is, yeah. I mean, it's not like a Joe Gomez situation where he's just been so unlucky with a series of injuries that have left them on the on the sidelines for months. These are all just little niggles, aren't they, for, for Lovren? Yeah. Um, he picked up a hamstring injury at Wolves in January and that kept him out for three months. The stomach issue that, that you mentioned, um, he basically played on through the pain barrier at the World Cup, which exacerbated that and basically gave Joe Gomez the chance to 
cements himself as, as first choice in the, in the first few months of the season. Um, he's yet to play 10 consecutive starts for Liverpool and he's been there five years. So mm. there that's are question mad. marks over, over, his, over his injury record and perhaps that's something Liverpool might look at. But if you do offload him for 25 million and you need a replacement of a similar standard, then it's going to cost you more than that, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, and yeah. of course Liverpool have got the money, but it's whether you're going to be paying upwards of 30, 40 million for a centre-back who's going to be coming in as fourth choice and going to have a lot of work on his hands to break into the side it's, it's a difficult one mm. and do you think as well Kiva that your last point on Lovren is that do you almost want to see the club be a little bit greedy here and, and by that I don't mean the money obviously 25 million if, if he did go for that and he brought that in then that's that's a decent sum as Gorsi said before for a player of his age and they'd be able to reinvest that but at the same time he's, he brings a bit of experience to the dressing room he's clearly best mates with, uh, with Mo and I don't know, like having someone of that level of kind of experience and pedigree as your fourth choice centre back. Sometimes you kind of think, well, for the good of the team, for the good of the squad, it's it's that's a great situation to be in. You know, you look at the likes of Mignolet this season. He's it's been great that he, that he stuck around and provided competition for Allison. Um, might not be the best for that player in a given season, but it, but it works for the club. Yeah, well, it's like Moreno as well. Obviously, he was just there for this running down his contract when he was mm. never really going to get any yeah. playing time. But then players, like you say, do you sort of look at Lovren like you want to keep Salah? I think Salah's staying around, but, you know, you want to keep him happy, keep this other player who does bring that experience to the dressing room. And, you know, you can't take anything away from Lovren. He is a very passionate player sometimes. Yeah. Too much, you know, he's, you know, we've seen him lunging in when he shouldn't and stuff, but I think he's got better as the seasons have wore on with Liverpool. Obviously, he's been there for some big moments. He, no one will ever take that Dortmund goal away from him. Yeah. You know, he's had, he's had good moments with the club and last season, the Champions League, Champions League final, he's probably the man of the match, wasn't yeah, he? You know, yeah. he, he does, he wears his heart on his sleeve and like we say, to get rid of a player like that, to not know who we're bringing in unless someone was sort of you know obviously we've been linked with Delis loads and loads and loads but like you know it needs to be something more concrete that you think and do we get because otherwise you just you don't want him to go because and I'm not as big as fan I'll be out there and say that it, you know I think at times his sort of ability to just capitulate is just not what I need mm, when yeah. you've when you've seen Van Dyke play and the calmness he instills in the whole team that's what you want more of. Um, mm. And I didn't know that he hadn't played 10 games like consecutively, which mm. is just absolutely bizarre. You need, you do need someone who's, you know, can play a whole season. Barden, you know, injuries happen, but I just think it is a difficult one, isn't it? I wouldn't like to see him go and we didn't bring anyone in because then it would yeah. be... Surely we would if he went. They'd it would open to, the door, yeah. wouldn't yeah. it? But yeah. it's who that'd be. And then everyone would ramp their prices up, thinking, well, yeah. they need someone now. Mm. So I don't know. Mm. Here's a tricky one. So, and we will obviously see how that one pans out. We'll keep close an eye on that. Um, just want to have a little broader look at the, at the transfer window and specifically comparing Liverpool and City now. Um, there was a piece uh, Stuart Brennan of the MEN wrote uh, earlier this week looking at what City want to do. And at least in the extent of business they're looking to do. It's broadly similar to Liverpool, different positions and different priorities, but there's not a lot that they're looking to do this window, only a couple of players. And he specifically mentioned um, now that companies departed, they're looking for a new centre-back, which makes perfect sense. And that they're beginning to think about Fernandinho's kind of ageing yeah. legs and replacing him. It's it's an interesting interest one, isn't it, Ghosty? Because there's fine margins between the two sides already. But 
neither looking to do loads. It, it feels like everything they do do is going to be crucial, and like you know, what one little transfer could be have a huge effect on this season. Yeah, weirdly for for the team who won the treble, they're the ones who who need more of a bit of a squad yeah. refreshing, isn't it? Um, Liverpool's main concern will just be tweaking. They obviously need someone who's going to play a number of positions uh, up front and a left-back to cover for Alberto Moreno and probably a goalkeeper for Mignolet, but these are all back-up positions. Mm. City need a centre-back to fill in for Vincent Company, who's been probably the, one of their best players in the last 10 years, hasn't he? Um, you know What a phenomenal leader he's been. Basically, City's answer to Van Dijk, isn't he? And, um, losing his leadership off the pitch as well as his ability on it will be quite big for them that they're mm. going to have to um, cover that in some way which will cost money and doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be a, a fit even if they have spent 50-60 million on someone and Fernandinho as well he's um, one of the best defensive midfielders around and he's 34 now isn't he mm. so you'd imagine that this might be his last um, season at the very top level for City so they're going to have to replace him and Sergio Aguero is, is 31. Um, David Silva clocking on a little bit. Suggestions of Leroy Sane's future, Neil Kide Gundogan. So I think City probably got more pressing concerns than Liverpool heading into this summer's transfer window. Mm, I think it's fair. Do you agree with that, Kira? I mean, there's almost a sense in which you think Liverpool could kind of improve past City this summer just by virtue of the fact that it's a more youthful squad and the average age is a bit lower. Do you think... You know, City have got more work to do. Yeah, it is bizarre when you think, you know, everyone says it's the best City are the best team we've ever seen in the Premier League. You know, and the points obviously show that. But are Liverpool not the best team in the world now after <laughs> being crown champions of Europe? You know, these two are absolutely up there. But Liverpool have got the younger squad and we feel like we're, we've just sort of started on our road to... You know, like where they were when they brought in Silva, Aguero, company. You know, they were younger players then. Mm. City remind me now a little bit of like what Barcelona went through with like Xavi and Iniesta. And these players who you never want to, you never want them to age, but they're aging. Like Bayern Munich as well with Ribéry and Robin. You know, these players who've done so much, but now they're aging. They're world-class players and we need to replace them and... It's such a difficult task to do, you know. Obviously, they've got a great squad, but Liverpool have City just go out and buy whoever they sort of want. Yeah. So they will bring in players, obviously, for um, however much they want. But Liverpool seem to have a different sort of way of it. We seem more of like a team where they like look how Sane's absolutely outstanding player, but you know he won't get played, and then he will, and then he looks like to maybe be going now. Where Liverpool, we don't seem to have them kind of problems mm. where it seems like Pep Guardiola's the manager of City, but then there's like another sort of manager. You know, like there's, they've got like a separate squad to come off the bench, basically. I think, you know, we've always thought that, but Liverpool seem to just have sort of one team, if mm. you know what I mean. So, it, you know... They're all singing from the same inch to Liverpool, aren't they, I suppose? Mm. That's, that's part of the... the Ethos the Klopp's and still in, in the squad though, isn't it? They all seem to be very close away from the from the pitch and all these um, warm weather trips should just kind of foster that, don't they? But you don't particularly see that with City. The more maybe a little bit more individualist, but mm. there's, there's, there's certainly work to be done for for City. Yeah, I, I would say. 
Mm. It'll be interesting to see how it pans out. Um, right, last last question for you both. I'll ask you a similar question before we wrap up then. You've been across all the red stuff this week, Ghosty, and you know, looking into deals, not having to knock some down when we've uh, we've been asked about certain Bad players. News, yeah. <laughs> how, how do you find all this as a as a as a journalist covering covering the clubs uh, in our city? Is this is this part of the job that you know the transfer window? Is this part of the time where you particularly enjoy or or is it the opposite? How how do you feel at this time of year? Uh, don't I don't particularly enjoy saying Liverpool aren't signing player A, <laughs> and everyone on Twitter calls me this, that, and the other, um, and I'm wrong and I'm a fraud and this. It's 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 funny, isn't it? Like Liverpool, I don't know. I think I think Klopp and, and Michael Edwards and, and or everyone involved in the whole recruitment process needs a little bit more faith. Mm. We we wrote the story on was it Sunday now? Nicholas Pepe we. we did a bit of digging in me and found out that there's, there's no interest in him and the reports coming out of France were um, incorrect, shall we say, um, inaccurate. And we got Pelzer's abuse because Liverpool aren't signing a player who some fans seem to want. Um, I don't know how, how many people watched Lille week in, week out last <laughs> summer but, or last season, but everyone seems to be an expert on him. It's part and parcel of the job. James Pearce has, has had it for umpteen years now, hasn't yeah. he? And it, it's very much um, water off the ducks back to him. But... Um, it's a strange one. You, you, you knock down the transfer rumours, and then people want it to happen so much that they assume that you're telling lies and you, you're going to be wrong. And it's it's our understanding that certain deals aren't happening, and and that's the way it stands as it is. But it's just part and parcel of the job, I suppose. Mm. No, that's it. And how about you, Keeve? I mean, you've worked, you've been at the Echo for at least one transfer window, haven't you? January. Were you here yeah. last summer? Or? January yeah. and then this one. And obviously, you keep a very close eye on what what fans are saying, what's trending on social media. Do you find it all kind of intensifies uh, at this time of year? And how, what's your take on it? The thing is, we've got to bring the fans the transfer news, and this comes with rumours. You know, the whole basis of transfer markets is built on rumours and you know little whispers here and there mm. but then when people like Paul you know you'll look into it deeper and you'll you know do a little bit of rooting and find out no we're not linked with him but I might have wrote the article the day before to say Liverpool link with Nicolas Pepe because based on this you know this is how it works we have to yeah. bring you yeah. the most recent and up to date and if they're valid sources you know we will we will bring this information to you, but then again, we will look into it and say, "Well, actually, no." Um, so it, it is difficult, you know. We, you know, we're doing a job, and I think sometimes it's, you know, abuse is never nice, is it? I don't think, but it just it, it is part and parcel. And I think, you know, as fans, we are fans as well, and we do want Liverpool to sign every player, all the good players too. And you know, you there's nothing better. I think, like I said to you before, obviously, other than winning football games. The other nice feeling in football is yeah. signing a new player, you know, shiny new player, yeah, announce <laughs> whoever. So, you know, that is nice, and you know, we respect that as well. You, you know, we are fans too. So, I think what we do, we do well is we separate the, the fact from fiction with with our transfer rumours, right? Don't we? Yeah, they're just basically all the, the reports that are coming in from across the globe on, on that particular day, and we do like a little bit where we we say, do we think there's anything in this possibly? such and such a player, there might there might be something there or this is complete nonsense and won't be happening. Um I think I think we do that well and then obviously when we um when we dismiss inaccurate reports that so and so's coming and the fans really want them, that's when um that's when we really get the, the eye on me of social media. <laughs> That's it. I think that that's the thing. A lot, a lot of the game has changed because of uh, the way social media is and the way it operates. And you know, the, one link can suddenly be 
amplified and seem like you know it's it's a yeah. it's a deal that's all about to get over the line. When we do sign players, though, we'll bring you that news and we can all enjoy it. You know, exactly. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Uh, well, we'll leave it there. And as Kiva says, hopefully there is a, uh, in the coming weeks a few a few deals that we can say are definitely happening as uh, Liverpool look to replenish their squad and bring a few new faces in. Um, so that's it for now. Thank you for listening, and we'll be back again next week. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.